0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Shit Happens When You Party Naked. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, I want to say I, do guys, I appreciate you guys listening on today's show. Uh, my wife and I... Hi, Christina. Hi. Hi. My wife and I are joined by our old buddy, our longtime friend, Mr. Matt Caffaro. Uh is a great guy I've known for a long time. Um, I'm not sure how long. I better ask him how long. How long we have known each other? It feels like a long time now.
1: It does seem good, like a long time.
0: it would be a good yeah. question for old Kafaro. But um, I have not really had an opportunity on this podcast to talk a lot about um, my love of movies. I mean, I know we talked probably too much about Snakes on a Plane last week. That was pretty awesome, particularly since you've never seen that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, that was riveting for you, probably for most listeners as well.
1: And I can't wait to watch it.
0: I know. I can't believe we haven't watched it yet. We're going to watch that soon, though. That'll be fun. Uh, but uh, but having uh, Kafaro on the show is very exciting because I'm going to get to really kind of dive into some movie talk. I mean, we can really get into it. Um, and, and really start talking about. It. So uh, he's going to call in in a few minutes, and we'll, we'll get started when he's on the line. But um, you know, in the meantime, uh, I do also want to let everybody know that I sliced off the tip of my finger last night when I was cleaning a uh, mandolin. You know those those little slicers. I was going to julienne a potato, and um, the I was spiralizer. Spiralizer, yeah. But it has the the blade that's set in the piece of plastic, and I was wiping that down in preparation to use it, and uh, just, just going too fast, and just totally diced the tip of my finger off my right index finger. I'm right-handed. That is like, this is my finger, man.
1: And true to male fashion, you would have thought he was dying.
0: I, well, I almost was. There was so much blood. And on top of that, what it a, Didn't
1: need any stitches, though.
0: Well, what are they going to stitch the tip of your finger up? I mean, they if think I those
1: kind of stitches
0: for your fingertip, though, mm-hmm. I would think like if you
1: got like if you actually had a really deep cut.
0: Yeah, if the cut was like, you know, it, was it goes a really in. Deep cut. But if you just shave the top off, there's nothing. Can they really sew that up?
1: They probably wouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, because that's really you have to imagine like Paulie in Goodfellas, the way he slices the garlic in the prison scene where he just shaves it real thin. That's kind of what I did to the tip of my finger, just took the, the little top layer off. And if you haven't seen Goodfellas, then you've got more problems than I do. But I'm telling you, losing the use of your right index finger is terrible. I had such a hard time jacking off of my left hand last night. It was awful. It was like being 13 again. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like just, uh, you know. It was fucking terrible. terrible. Can't wait till this thing gets back up to speed. I mean, this is the finger I use to... Uh, clack on the keyboard to push a button to you know the elevator at work ding ding and then the mouse i i I must have clicked the mouse 500 times today this is it was terrible it was hurting all day at work it was terrible
1: it's terrible
0: the shit i go through
1: right yeah
0: but we're not gonna make the podcast late over it you know it's not like i'm taking a day off or anything Mm -hmm. fuck that like that oh well, I think uh, I think Matt is here. So let's go ahead and um let's get cracking with uh with Matt and some movie talk. Um and uh we'll we'll holler at you guys at the end, I guess. All right, welcome to the show, Matt man. I'm glad to, glad to finally have you on. Glad to be here. Um Yeah, super glad to have you. Um I think my first question for you is, how fucking long have we been friends now? It's been a
2: while. Was it two thousand six? Yeah, it's almost twelve years. Uh, So I think, yeah, it's been a while.
0: It's like uh, time flies, man. It it doesn't feel like it's been twelve years, but no, not really. You're like one of my oldest friends now. Like it's uh, it's kind of weird. I don't I don't have a lot that are older than you that have been around longer than you. (laughs) I guess I just I, I just everybody off for 12 old years.
2: <laughs> I am I am I am I am both his old friend and his old friend. So it works two ways.
0: I know, weren't you just saying that you're about to turn 40?
1: I thought he said like so, 45.
0: Okay, 38. Yeah. That that makes me feel <laughs> a lot better about like just you're where a, I'm at in general life.
2: Yeah, you're only a year younger than me, so, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, juice, fuck. Um,
1: I guess I'm the old lady. I'm already 38. Oh my god! I'm gonna be 39.
2: I'm the youngest person in this room right now. Fuck yeah! Wow. So you're you're actually born in the 70s.
1: Ah. Yeah, Christina
2: was born in the 70s. Yeah,
1: 70s.
0: Do you know every time I go to Walgreens uh, or CVS or wherever and I'm getting our prescriptions and uh, they're like asking me for my date, I'm like 81, and then I ask for my wife's date, I'm like 79.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't get think an they're older
1: gonna
2: No, it's going to be hitting up that AARP discount pretty soon. Your <laughs> <No> shit, right? <laughs>
1: I'm excited for any discount.
0: Yeah, no. maybe the movie it. tickets will finally get fucking cheaper oh, We're no. about to talk about that in a minute. There you go, Jesus! Finally, get that senior discount that we've been waiting for for so long. So, <laughs> what did we we met at a we met at a party or some shit?
2: We're well, the first time oh. we ever talked. I, I mean, it's like I mean, we talked a little bit um, when we worked at Dial America together in Athens. But uh, yeah. I think the first time we ever—that was like, a great job. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> mm. <laughs> it I was wasn't a job. Being serious? <laughs> that mm. was a job. No, um, yeah. So uh, you know, one of the guys at Dial was throwing like a house party. Usually, Athens is kind of weird. It's it's not like a lot of colleges. There's not a lot of house parties. Um, you know, because downtown is such a great place. But one of the guys was having like a kegger and they showed up and you were there and we started talking about movies and whatever other bullshit, playing beer pong. And yeah, since then, Mm -hmm. yeah, I could probably say you are are my best friend pretty much. So, you know, it sounds really sad when I say it, but...
0: No, it sounds sweet. It makes me wish I could give you a hug from so many miles away. You guys should
1: get those necklaces where it's like you split up the The heart. heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you guys can each have a half. That's a
0: solid Christmas gift idea.
1: Christmas present. I see a Christmas
2: gift coming up. Be like little orphan Annie and her non-existent parents. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So uh, we it
0: was because we both love movies that we initially clicked. Right. I mean.
1: Sounded like you said boobies. Boobies? You said movies. I I said movies, yeah. Sound like boobies.
0: Who doesn't love boobies? What about movies with boobies? Movies with boobies. I love movies with boobies. (laughs) I'm trying to think I mean (laughs) I think (laughs) the eighties I think the eighties built an entire slasher genre around movies with boobies.
2: Oh, you don't even need to go that far, man. It's like the very first movies with boobies that I remember is not even a rated R movie, it's the Beastmaster. Remember when when, uh, when Tanya Roberts was under the waterfall swimming with her friend and they were both topless. It's mm. fantastic. I might have yeah. been two, I might have been two I mean, or three, it? but I realized at that point I was definitely hetero. There was no there, so, was, <laughs> there was no gay gene in me.
0: Let's say you were three years old and you were watching that scene from the Beastmaster, as many of us did when we were young. And I didn't. You didn't? Well, no. we still, we we talked about how we need to fix you on the Beastmaster. We'll get you correct.
1: It sounds familiar. We, we talked, we about, talked it about it. About it. it. Yeah,
0: we talked about it last time. Yeah. Every time me and Matt talk, we get around to the Beastmaster. At some point, the Beastmaster's coming up for sure. We
1: just need to watch it. So Apparently, it's a big deal.
0: Would you <laughs> say, though, that at three, I mean, you're not very developed sexually at all? There's no puberty. There's no. <laughs> There's no adult testosterone or teenage testosterone going. Do you think that at three, seeing the titty, that it's like a primal, almost like mammalian thing? Like, I need to suckle that. Like, I, I don't need think, to put don't my mouth on that, that titty because I need yeah, to.
2: I don't think it's that, but I think, you know, you can see something and like it or like – or maybe like wonder why that you like looking at it, right?
0: So – yeah but would that be would that be almost like your your primal instinct telling you like that's where the food comes from you like that like i mean mean, i'm i have a hypothesis that that like titty sucking or boob suckling you know like i think yeah guys like boobs for sure but i think almost everybody likes boobs and it's because that's like that's where the life comes from and it almost goes back to like pre-human species like like you know mammals drink Milk from the mom. So I I just have a hypothesis that says that, like you know, uh, sucking a titty is basically one of the most natural things you could ever do, and we're all kind of drawn to that that activity on a very base, subconscious level.
1: Makes me feel pretty proud of my titties.
2: Yeah, that's a wonderful thing, though. (laughs) I think maybe you're overthinking it a little bit. Maybe I did. (laughs) At that point, I I think I'd been, uh, you know, at that point, I'd probably been off, uh, been on solid food for a while, so. Yeah, I mean, well, look, I'm
0: 36. I've been on solid food since, you know, I don't know. I was at least 17 when I stopped, when I stopped drinking my mother's breast milk. So you got to think like half my life, I've been weaned off the tit. I still think it's kind of like a natural thing, you know, that you just see that and you're just like, you know,
1: the way to test it is how do gay guys feel about it.
0: Hmm. Good question.
2: Or how to, do women? How do heterosexual women? The whole thing. Well, I mean, it's like you know what you know what is supremely not fair is girls always less like guys touch touch their tits, like and it's like no big deal, but like if I were to go mm. down and touch a girl's tit without knowing her very well, that wouldn't go well for me. So
0: you should okay. see are gay.
2: Well, mm. you know, if I was gay, I'd probably have more sex in my life. I, I would definitely be a an attractive bear mm. for some twink out there.
0: <laughs> oh, some little man that you could just throw over your shoulder and take to the bedroom.
2: Oh yeah, somebody who would need to be a submissive bottom for sure.
0: Oh God, <laughs> that mental image. I'm, um, I'm taking my pants off. So, you became a lover of film at an early age, right?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I mean, like I said, with like referencing the Beastmaster, um, you know, my grandparents were pretty well off in the early '80s, and back when VCRs cost, you know, four or five hundred dollars, which in today's money is what fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars. So you know, they had a VCR and all these great movies that really started coming out on VHS around that time. Yeah, I mean, Beast, Beastmaster, definitely, of course, but you know, Star Wars and uh, you know, Rocky, uh, stuff like that. And I just remember you know, living with my grandparents for a couple of months before we moved down to Georgia and watching movies all the time. And then when we got down here and my parents wound up divorcing a couple of years later, you know, anytime my dad had us on the weekends, it was, you know, usually we would go see a movie. Um, I can remember yeah. in the summer of 85, when I was five, we must've had him take me and my brother to go see back to the future four or five times that summer. That was, Damn. you know, and that's, yeah, it's like, and you, and you definitely, you know, we vibe on certain things. And one of those things is like, I can, if I love a movie, I can, there's no limit to the number of times that I can watch it. Right? And it's Indeed. like, but there are some people who don't do that at all. Like my mother, I don't yeah. like I hardly have anything in common with her. And one of the things she always would ask me is like, why are you watching that movie? You've already seen it. So Yeah, you Christina, know,
0: our our own Christina here was, was similar. She said, why do you own all those movies and why buy a movie? Because once you've seen it once, are you going to want to watch it again? And I, I've proven to her that since we've been married, I've watched Big Trouble in Little China 537 times. Mm-hmm. There's an upper tier. There's an echelon of films that are at the very top of your list that, like you said, there's no end to the number of times that you can watch them. You can watch them over and over and over. I don't give a fuck. There was a summer. There probably was a summer when I was, I don't know, seven or something, where I recorded Big Trouble in Little China off of the the television station or whatever at the time, and I had a VHS copy that I'd recorded, Um, and I I shit you not, I probably watched that daily for an entire summer when I was a youngster, because I didn't have shit else better to do, so why not watch Big Trouble in Little China 400 times that summer? I think I I probably did. So there's those movies that you could just watch over and over again. You just pop them in, and you're just like, fuck yeah almost like a time capsule for your feelings. Cause you watch it again and you almost, you can almost feel like, yeah, I remember watching this when I was a kid and that was pretty awesome. And then they go shit on it. Like, like, right. Yeah. To Hollywood invariably has to, uh, spread their butt cheeks and shit all over you, the things that you love, because, you know, they're making all these new star Wars movies. Um, I have a feeling that you and I are kind of copacetic on our opinions on those newer star Wars movies, probably better that they didn't make those. Um, I'd like to go back to a world where only episodes four five and six exist. But I mean, even the rock is talking about remaking big trouble, in little China. I love the rock, but what the fuck are you thinking? Dwayne, I mean, look, uh, what the fuck are you doing? Just leave I don't it think alone. he's a
1: very skilled actor.
0: I'm not saying he's like a skilled Shakespearean. He's not winning an Academy Awards. But look, he's charismatic. He's funny. He does a good job. He works hard. He turns out a lot of movies.
2: No, I think – no, I I disagree because you look at like what The Rock is able to do, the kinds of movies that he's been in. I mean just his general range and let's be honest. I mean he's got more range than Arnold does. He's got – I would say he's Mm, got as much range – you know, in the right role, I could see the rock winning an Oscar. I mean, come on, Sylvester Stallone has come mm-hmm. close to winning an Oscar twice in his life, so think about that but
0: sylvester stallone i mean I don't know I mean I think Sylvester Stallone is i mean he's um Writer, director, I mean, it seems like, uh, yeah, sure, Stallone's no, he's no uh, hippy-dippy artist, but uh, it seems like he's doing a little bit more artistically than The Rock, where I think The Rock's entertaining, but...
1: I think he's entertaining, I just think he's typecast in. If I'm going to see a movie with The Rock in it, it's going to be the same character. So I feel like that, to me, is minimal... You have, like, one skill set. You go after one movie. I assume maybe that's similar to your personality. So it doesn't feel like a big... You
0: feel like he's essentially playing himself.
2: Because he's, he's always kind of
1: goofy in a com- comedy.
2: Yeah. No, no, I, I can see that. I, that that that's a, that's a definite... I don't really see that much as a criticism because, I mean, if you think about it, back in the day, that's kind of what actors were, right? You didn't really mm-hmm. go to see... You know, it's probably really Marlon Brando, maybe probably Olivier before him who really changed that where it was about, you know, great acting in the role and becoming somebody else. Whereas before that, you had John Wayne. John Wayne doesn't have a lot of range. You have, (laughs) you know. Yeah, it's like think 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 about that. Think about like the you know you had Shirley Temple. Think about the kinds of actors that came out of the 30s and the 40s when sound was introduced to film. And it's 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 about the personality. It's 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 like a cult of personality. It's not really about is this person a great actor or not. We we, people would go see the movies to see those people be themselves. So in that way, I agree with you. And in that way you know the rock is a lot like arnold schwarzenegger because his personality is magnetic and people want to see him in the movies but i i still think he has a little bit of range mm. he can do comedy mm. he can do action he's he's pretty decent in drama you know it's like if you've ever watched you need to watch ballers he's he's really good in there i think he really he stretches himself a little bit i heard ballers is great it really is I need to yeah, check that. out. I haven't out. seen that.
0: I need to show Christina Pain and Gain as well because there's some, <laughs> he, he's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's well.
2: I mean, it's it's amazing. Michael Bay makes makes um, well. At least the last three have been really shitty. But these shitty Transformers movies, when you know hmm. the uh, the last three, the last two, the last two have been shitty. I think. Did you see the most recent one? Yeah the the the, the night the one the hmm. last night wasn't any good. It was pretty bad. Um, the last
0: time. Yeah, it looked so bad and the uh, the one before that, I don't even remember the there've been so many that I don't even remember the subtitle anymore, but the first one with Mark Wahlberg, I watched that, I think we I rented it and watched it online or some shit and it was so fucking terrible. I was like Jesus Christ.
2: It was bad. That was that was the one before this last one.
0: Yeah, it was so bad.
2: So he's done with two with Wahlberg and they were both pretty bad. Oh, like so bad. I actually think the writers' strike really screwed the second one in the in the original quote unquote trilogy, but like the first and the third one, eminently watchable films, man. Yeah, like, I thought fun. the first and the third movies.
0: I thought the first one especially too, because there was the novelty of the thing. It's this '80s cartoon that was so popular that's being kind of uh, dusted off and brought back. Like I said, Hollywood just brings everything back so they can shit on it, even if they didn't shit on it the first time. They definitely shit on it for the second one. That that movie was terrible but um yeah. I I would agree (laughs) that maybe our threshold for Transformers, like our our tolerance of Transformers has been met a little bit and maybe even exceeded because I think the first one was good. But I I think maybe it's like uh, you can get away with a little bit, but maybe you're pushing it after a little while. And then maybe you do finally wear out your welcome and you just say, "Okay, fuck off with the fucking Transformers, you asshole. Get the fuck out of here. These fucking movies are terrible. And I let you get away with one. But fucking a five of these fucking six of these things, however many you made now. What the fuck?
2: Yeah, and um, you know the next kind of guy in line after the Rock is actually going to be in the next one. Um, John Cena is is going to be in the movie set in the eighties about Bumblebee. So that's going to be. We'll see. We'll see what that's like. It's not. I don't believe it was directed by Michael Bay. So it might be. You know, something a little bit different, more in line with the first film. Because, you know, the first film, it was like it, the structure of the movie was really about, you know, and they talked about this a lot before it came out. It was trying to find that human element. It was about a boy getting his first car, right? It's like, yeah. which half the population. Completely understands what that's like, so yeah. you know. And the subsequent movies really kind of got got around, got got away from the human element, and that's kind of. No, it all became about the.
0: There was like a certain chemistry with the Witwickies, the you know the Shia LaBeouf character and his dad and his mom. They were all a little kooky, and they had this weird sort of. Um, Rapport with each other, and then you know the other supporting characters. Like, wasn't Bernie Mac the car salesman that sells them Bumblebee at the beginning? Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Bernie Mac. But I mean, like, he makes for a pretty great supporting character, and I, I do think they did kind of get away from that a little bit. Where it's like, all right, well, I, I love Mark Wahlberg. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say I don't enjoy the shit out of Mark Wahlberg films, but uh, which
1: I just want to say, I feel like his movies. I've kind of taken a little bit of a nosedive.
0: You think he's taken a downturn as well? Yeah. Didn't we watch Patriots Day somewhat recently, though?
1: I don't. Know. Patriots
0: um, Day was great. Patriots Day was awesome. That,
2: and that's actually uh, I don't remember that we one. did. Yeah, that's a Peter Berg movie. Yeah. It is. You want to talk about an underrated un, an underrated director? Um, other than Battleship, which is complete crap, I can't really name a bad Peter Berg film. I mean, he started. Um, I think. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm trying to remember. The, i think the very first thing i remember him directing i think he did like a christian slater movie back in the 90s but me the cube uh christian <laughs> no pump up the volume no um, i can look on wikipedia oh. but I, I can't remember off the top of my head but the one i remember is actually the first movie i saw with the rock where i thought he could actually have a career with the rundown which is fantastic oh uh, okay is, is i haven't
0: seen that movie. all the way through
2: Oh man, I've Christopher only, Walken and uh, yeah, yeah,
0: I've only caught bits and pieces on TV, but love um, Christopher Walken. Remember Christina? We saw Patriots Day. That was about the Boston Marathon bombing, and it, it was about the brothers. and Mark Wahlberg was one of the cops that was there. That movie fired us the fuck up. Though I was like, holy shit! I felt so fucking. Barely remember it. I fucking it. went out and got all my red, white, and blue clothing and put it on. I shot firecrackers out of my ass. I was like, it was the Fourth of July. I'm fucking America, baby.
2: Right. Well, also, I mean, like he did. He so that's his third movie actually with with Wahlberg. You need to watch if you haven't seen them, uh, Lone Survivor, Deep Water Horizon. Horizon, all great films as well. Um, mm. and, you know, he and he's also responsible for the the film version of Friday Night Lights and the TV version, which to me is one of the greatest television shows in the last 20 years and he's directly responsible for that. I have never seen the show. I saw... You got to see Friday Night Lights, man. Clear, uh, clear Eyes, Full Hearts Can't Lose. Come on.
0: Yeah, I saw the, I saw the film, but I, I never saw the television show.
2: Yeah, get on that, buddy.
1: Since we're talking about typecasting, can y'all might not have a big opinion about this, but how about Julia Roberts? I feel like she's a superstar, but... I have similar feelings about her. I mean,
2: yeah, I I think, I mean, it's not like she's out there really trying to extend a range so much. Right. I think, I mean, I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like Sandra Bullock is another one. I don't really think they're out there really stretching acting muscles. You know, it's not like, uh, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's kind of try to think like, like some really great actors that nobody really talk about, right? Like, um, like David Strathairn, right? This is, this guy's a great actor who's been in so many good movies. And usually he's like one of those quote unquote, that guys. It's like, you see him in the movie and you're like, Oh, it's that guy. That guy's a good actor. And, he, hmm. and he's in so much. Yeah. yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, you like that guy. And he was in what uh, what is that movie? Like the, that the Clooney movie. Good night and good luck playing Edward R. Murrow. And I think he, I mean, yeah. if the Oscars were actually about the best actor in a year, like he should have won the a, the, the best actor Oscar. Cause he was fantastic.
0: Sp- speaking of best actor and Christina mentioned Julia Roberts. I kind of yeah, feel I like
2: know how y'all, so.
0: back in the day when she was, um, when she was right about to win the award for Aaron Brockovich, I feel like she was really kind of campaigning pretty hard. She was busting her ass to try to win that Academy Award. But I feel like maybe after that, um, hasn't been so much like, like what you were saying the last several years, I don't really feel like she's done a whole lot. That's gotten a whole lot of attention where it's like, Oh, Holy fuck. Like mm-hmm. look at Julia Roberts feels like more of the same,
2: right? Well, I mean, she can do a lot of things. I mean, she, she, it's like weird. It's like she doesn't stretch, but like within her area, I mean, she can still, you know, she can inhabit a character pretty well. I mean, she's, you know, when she cries on screen, it's it seems believable. I think, you know, she has some range, but yeah, it's, it hasn't been a whole lot. Uh, probably, I mean the the, I mean, geez, the last movie that I really remember her in that I that I actually sat down to watch was. Probably the last... That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. No, the second Ocean's movie because she wasn't in the last one. No, I, like Charlie no, Charlie Wilson's War. She was in that. I think she was really good in that. But yeah, that's maybe... In Charlie's Wilson's War, that's, that movie's almost... It, I, it, that, might, that might actually be over 10 years old. That was a long time ago.
0: Was it? That feels recent. Yeah. But maybe I'm old, so... I don't
1: even know that movie. I think what I... If, if, if an actor or actress is going to like really catch my attention or whatever. I think it's... I'm looking for somebody who... And maybe I like dramas a little bit more, but that they seem like they're in a a role that's unlike themselves. Like, it's an interesting role, and it's different from movie to movie. Like, I don't want to see them as the same character. If I see two movies, okay, I'm not going to... It's like, okay, that was kind of similar. But then if it's the same role every movie, then it just is like... So you're saying that when
0: The Rock beats up too many people in a row, it's like okay, you're the dude who
1: yeah it's beats like people you're up just in the movie an action movie. So yeah. I don't know. I just get a little less interested in, in them as an actor. But I just want to say I did appreciate your your perspective on seeing them as a part, like their personality and them as a person. Like I
2: haven't thought of it that way, but yeah, I mean, because I mean, think about it. I get, I get what you're saying. Like the Rock isn't—he's setting the world on fire with his acting chops. But at the same time, does he ever not entertain you? Does he ever disappoint? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he goes and makes a movie. I mean, even like a shitty movie like Baywatch, um, it still made some money. People went to go see it because the Rock was in it, right? I think you know, it's like it's—it's interesting how that works. Where it's like you have people Mm -hmm. winning Oscars like uh, Mark Rylance, who nobody remembers from anything. Um talking about a guy who was in ready player one, but, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's like, I think we're kind of, you know, it's after Sylvester Stallone and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis got old and, and people, you know, weren't really seeing their movies anymore. You know, the big question was, is, Oh, who's going to be the next big personality? And I think it's the Rock. Yeah. The Rock is the guy who stepped in for sure. And not only does he step in, but but sometimes he makes the movies better. Like the Fast and the Furious franchise really wasn't going anywhere, and then he came back in and suddenly you know revitalizes that whole franchise, which has become a multi billion dollar franchise. You know, really, if you think about it, that 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 entire franchise, like you know, ignores every rule of Hollywood in that each successive movie makes more than the money than the one that came before. It's true. And that never happens. It never happens. Usually you have the dimi- yeah, you have the diminishing returns where it's like yeah. whatever movies it is. And and then, you know, then you have, you know, the next, you know, all the subsequent movies make less money after it.
0: It did feel very much like he revitalized the fast and the furious films for sure.
2: Oh Yeah. I mean, him and um, Justin. I think I think it was a combination of him and Justin Lin taking over as like the director because he directed the fourth one, the the last one without The Rock, and then he directed five and six after that. And I think you know, uh, you know, it's like you know, they're dumb movies, but (laughs) I will totally sit down and watch you know five, which is a great heist movie, and then six with that runway that goes on for a hundred, a thousand miles at the end of the movie. I don't care. That's great. I'll sit. I'll sit and watch a well-executed action set piece any any day of the week.
0: While I completely agree, I I also have to say that I am like woefully behind on the Fast and Furious films. I've seen two of them, I think. Oh wow. Yeah, there's like nine of them, right?
2: Um <clears throat> eight. Eight. Oh uh,
0: well, that's yeah. close.
2: They're gonna make a ninth oh. and I honestly don't know where they can go from here. I think they had to go into outer space, but they're also talking about because of uh, you know the lame ass uh, Vin Diesel, uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Tiff uh, rivalry that is going on right now because Vin doesn't like The Rock stealing all of his his, uh, his 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 luster. That uh, they're actually going to spin off um, Jason, Jason Statham's character and, and The Rock's character and put them into their own movie.
0: That's what I heard. Yeah, and, and Tyrese doesn't like that either, does he?
2: Uh, yeah, Tyrese. Ty, I
0: mean that was pissing off Tyrese because yeah. he's like, I mean Tyrese is not going to get his own spinoff for a little while.
2: Well, nobody wants to see Tyrese in a movie. I mean, come on. I mean, he's good, but like you know, Tyrese is Tyrese. He's not The Rock. The Rock is yeah. rock is front in billion dollar movies. Tyrese is the co- you know he's the comic relief. True that. That's why you know that's that's why he shouldn't you know be uh, Green Lantern in whatever next DC movie comes out or whatever. Even though he's campaigning to be John Stewart, I don't think he. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really care to see that. Oh,
0: I had no idea about that.
2: Yeah, it was like a thing the last couple of years. Like some fans have been putting together some lame fan art with him, with looking like Green Lantern, and I. He's actually campaigned a little bit for for the role, but you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to be him. Like my choice would have been Michael B. Jordan, but you know, he joined the Marvel universe. He did. And his character's dead. Spoiler alert. Like you know, generally they don't do much crossover there.
0: No, they really don't. Although there's a little bit of that that happens, right?
2: Yeah, I mean J.K. Simmons, right? He was he was J. Jonah Jameson and Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. So.
0: And um, you mentioned Ready Player One. I suppose we should probably talk about it at least briefly. This was ostensibly going to be a Ready Player One. Uh, review that we were both going to talk about it a little bit more in depth but um, time has passed since our first botched attempt at this um, this uh, digital interview so uh, we kind of got fucked on the first one and now ready player one is um, you know it's a week old by the time everyone hears this so uh, we should probably touch on it but maybe not um, waste too much time on it because I have a feeling that, the people who are, are were were wicked excited about Ready Player One have probably already seen Ready Player One, right? There might be a few people on the fence who hear this who think, okay, well, maybe I'll make my decision based on what these two assholes right. say. But yeah. um, so were you a, a massive Spielberg fan prior to going to see Ready Player One, uh, sort of a Spielberg fan, not a Spielberg fan at all? Kind of where did you fall on Spielberg?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely a big Spielberg fan, uh, mostly – Um, I mean, to be honest, I I really haven't been keeping up the last few years. Like, I didn't go see uh, War Horse. I didn't see Tintin. I didn't see the BFG. I just, you know, didn't really seem like they were made with with me in mind. But...
0: Yeah, you're not the demographic.
2: Yeah, I mean, Spielberg, I mean, he he broke my childhood, man. And if it wasn't his directing, it was his producing. Because he produced Back to the Future, you know... Mm -hmm. He produced, uh, the Goonies. So, I mean, Spielberg heavily involved in my childhood, heavily involved in my sure. life for at least the first 30 years. Uh, I don't think I missed this. I don't think I missed a Spielberg movie premiere for the first 30 years of my life or so.
0: For sure. So like the nostalgia factor is there. And I mean, we're practically the same age as established earlier. So, uh, I had a similar experience growing up watching his films. Um, uh, even in the '90s, I mean, I remember going to see Jurassic Park when it opened, and the fucking thing was huge. I mean, it was it, it, it seemed like a very, very big deal at the time. So, um, with with our own nostalgia factor surrounding Spielberg, uh, do you feel like that maybe he made Ready Player One as a I don't know if I you know, as a, I guess, kind of a hit nostalgic for his own heyday or trying to get back to his, um, maybe classic self, or did you feel like it was a throwback to his earlier films or, um, you know, or just kind of maybe more like a money-making device. Cause Spielberg fans are kind of our age and, and have similar nostalgic feelings about the same shit that involved, that's involved in ready player one
2: right no I mean I think I think we we know I mean he actually wouldn't allow um the set dressers and 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 the people you know creating um the scene to put in easter eggs from his own movies right um like he would he would spot certain things and you know tell them to get rid of them so I don't think he made this movie with any kind of idea of trying to recapture a former like 80s glory or or, or for any sense of his own nostalgia, I actually think I don't think Spielberg has a nostalgia bone in his body, which I think actually makes him a pretty yeah. good director. But I think, um, you know, I think I think it's just the a concept of of what it's able to do and kind of what he did in Tintin. Maybe even though I didn't see the movie, like I know, like you know, the 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 the, the motion capture and the things like that. I think that kind of stuff appealed to him and you know being yeah. able to create this world uh you know obviously you know spark something within him because let's be honest i mean it has to, if somebody of spielberg's caliber he picks and chooses his projects so you know something yeah. about the something about the story sparked with him and i think you know he just felt a connection to it like a lot of people have who've read klein's book and you know he wanted to make the movie and yeah, I think you know he made a pretty good movie. Um, it's definitely not my favorite Spielberg movie. It's probably doesn't even make the top ten. Maybe not even the top fifteen or twenty. But it's a it's a yeah. well made film. Um, it's a it's, lot of fun in a lot of a lot of places. It's a it's a good popcorn movie. I would say. As far as like the kind of nostalgia that it brings out of me, it's it's less nostalgia for like Spielberg's movies or maybe even movies he was involved in, like back to the future or the goonies. And it actually made me feel um, uh, a little bit more wistful for. Um, that next level of movies from the 80s that I know we all loved as kids, like that weren't like the critically play- praised movies, that, be- but maybe became like cult movies later on down the line. Stuff like, uh, you know, the Ethan Hawke River Phoenix movie, Explorers. Like I kind of got a definite vibe, like an exp- like a Joe Dante, Explorers vibe off of it, you know, um, stuff like that or yeah. Gremlins or – uh, like, a, like mon- oh, Gremlins is yeah, monster squad, you know, you kind of get it's, it's, it almost, it does. It, it, Ready player one almost feels a little bit like a B movie to me. Like it's, it doesn't take itself so seriously and it's just kind of, it's just a fun movie. Yeah.
0: So after all of that, I feel like I've got, I've got a lot to say. There are a lot of threads, in, in what you just said that i'm like oh fuck i gotta say something about that i gotta say something about that and i'm like fuck 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 so full disclosure i didn't read the book you mentioned people who love the Klein's book i don't think that it, it it matters much i didn't read the book but uh b i also noticed watching the film i was i i was almost hyper aware because knowing spielberg directed it I, and knowing that spielberg's uh, career spans way 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 back um I was almost hyper aware of his past and and looking for callbacks, Easter eggs, cameos, whatever of, of, uh, his own iconic characters. Like I kept waiting for E.T. to show up. I was, I was looking around every corner. I was, every right. time there was a shelf, I was looking for like a E.T. doll on a shelf or something. And I, so I kept, I kept my eyes open for it. Uh, but I, like you, I didn't, I, I honestly, I didn't feel very nostalgic during the film at all, actually. I mean, there were some callbacks to some stuff, probably the biggest nostalgia, um, uh, bait for me was, was the DeLorean was the back to the future right. films. Other than that, I was, right. it, it didn't evoke a lot of that for me. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was more about like the music. I think the music definitely, you know, opening up with uh Van Halen's jump, I think was fantastic. Yeah, You know, I just think that's a, I mean, that's just a quintessential eighties song, man. You had, you know, the synthesizers and David Lee Roth and, you know, uh, you know Eddie Van Halen shredding on the guitar. It's just a great up uh, pump, you know, kind of pumped it pump pump you up kind of a song. And drew a really, yeah, I actually kind of, I, I kind of wished, to be honest, that the sound mix was a little that it was a little louder. Like when it came on in the theater, it just seemed like it was kind of on like a medium volume. I was kind of hope, like I felt it should have been louder because I, I I wanted it to really pump me up. You know, it's like sometimes you know, people, people don't realize that, you know, how, how a movie sound is mixed can really affect, you know, what you're feeling from, from moment to moment. Like I can remember, and this is going off on a completely different tangent, but, um, parts of uh, justice league at the end, when they were, when they were fighting in Russia against uh, Steppenwolf and the pair demons, the sound mix sucked. It was really bad. And like the, the special effects, were much louder than the ambient sound and like the musical score. So there are certain parts of that movie where Danny Elfman calls back to his 1989
0: Batman theme. Yeah. He, he scored Batman too.
2: Yeah. It's totally drowned out by the, the, the special effects sound mix. And it's like, why, why, why would you have this big moment where Batman, you know, slams the Batmobile out of the, out of the, the flying Fox and he goes to attack the parademons. And like, if you turn it up on your TV at home, you can hear the big brassy 1989 Batman theme, but it's still underneath a layer of, you know, explosions and, and, you know, grinding metal and, you know, you know, sound mixing is very important. And I think, I think it was just a moment there right at the beginning where, man, you just got to make that louder. Cause it kind of came across the speakers in my theater is, is almost soft. And I just, man, it should have been those yeah. synthesizers for, for jump should have just been like, you know, loud and it should have gotten you up out of your seat.
0: Yeah. I didn't have the same experience. I mean, my theater may have been, uh, you know, wired a little different for sound, but I will agree with you that the sound mixing is extremely important. Probably more so because it does kind of, um, operate on a subconscious level for a lot of folks. Like, I don't think most film goers consider the, um, the, the sound levels uh, of things, of music, of sound effects, of, of dialogue and stuff as really, um, you know they don't it's not something that's like very forward in a film it's more the type of thing that that occurs kind of in the background or um you know behind the visuals but it's it's almost more important because it operates on this level that people aren't always totally conscious of right i think more more disclosure if i can be you know more uh just in the interest of, of full disclosure i have neither i haven't seen uh, justice league get either so I'm just throwing that out there. Still haven't seen Justice League.
2: Yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, you know, it's nothing. Uh, I mean, it got a lot of shit, yeah. and I think a lot of it was undeserved. Okay. You know, it's kind of like kind of like Man of Steel, and you and I have had many conversations of of how much I regard that film. But I mean, it's like, and and then on the other on the other hand, I completely loathed Batman versus Superman because you know, Man of Steel, it, it, it was a story that. Started off in in If not a dark place Then then a place of You know Deep introspection And then brought us Into a hopeful place By the end And then Batman Versus Superman Just completely Did away with It almost like It ignored the hopeful ending To Man of Steel And it was something I think I think it was a mistake Like And and I'm somebody Who actually Generally likes Zack Snyder's films I think his Remake of Dawn of the Dead Is fantastic And you know To be honest I actually prefer It Yeah I prefer it to the original. And you know, I understand what he was I think I agree with you yeah, there. I mean it's like I understand what he was trying to do with sucker punch. Um, I think it's I think it's brilliant from an artistic standpoint. You want to talk about a movie that that is well shot and well conceived from from like, you know, I can just imagine how detailed those storyboards must have been for him to be able to put all that on screen. And then, you know, you have 300 and Watchmen, which I think is still to this day, a top five superhero movie. I think it's fantastic. So, you know, I'm not,
0: I need to rewatch Watchmen. I've also never seen sucker punch, although it did look, it looked good, but um, I do need to rewatch watch yeah. Watchmen. Uh, that is one of my favorite graphic novels. And I do remember liking the film, enjoying the film, but um, kind of missing the Black Pearl segments when I saw it in the theatrical release. And now I understand they did release a version on Blu-ray that has those um, uh, Black Pearl segments kind of recut in. Um, and I would like to watch it, kind of maybe more following that that pacing of the graphic novel with those um, Black Pearl segments reinserted. Black Pearl is that is that the right thing that I'm thinking of, or is that fucking Johnny Depp?
2: Um, well, I think. Is that... <laughs> I think Black black Pearl is uh, from the Pirates of the Caribbean. But Pirates of the Caribbean, fuck. I, I think I know what you mean. It's it's black something. It's not like black sails. I can't remember.
0: But it's got to be black something. I mean, Pirates, yeah. it's always black something. And it's it's like uh, they had that pirate story that was interspersed in there. It was yeah. like the comic within the comic. And I think it did something pretty good for the pacing there. But
2: um, I mean, I've seen it both uh, you ways. Know, I actually have the ultimate cut, which which reincorporates – um, the tales of the black freighter is what it's called
0: black freighter shit right.
2: and it's like he black actually Pearl. yeah he reached back into his uh his 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 uh, acting company and got Gerard Butler to do uh, the 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 narrator
0: oh that's badass
2: I mean it's okay I mean actually to be honest with you I think it works better as a short film and oh. I think I think because Watchmen in and of itself is already a pretty long movie that when you, yeah. when you go ahead and combine it with the The Tales of the Black Freighter, it's it's almost too long. It's I mean it's almost it's almost four hours long. So
0: I'm with you there. I feel like my patience for really, really long movies has waned. As I've gotten a little older, I just you know, a movie's three hours, three and a half hours. I'm like, fuck off. Do a miniseries on HBO. Let me watch ten episodes (laughs) and, and I can fucking I can take a nap in between every fucking episode. I'm getting old here. I can't fucking watch some four hour movie. I went to the fucking uh, Return of the King, the midnight release back when they remember they do like midnight on Thursday night because it was technically yep. Friday.
2: Yeah,
0: I remember going to see Return of the King at midnight on fucking Thursday night. I swear to God, the sun was coming up when I went home from that fucking movie. And I was like, <laughs> I was cool with that. Now I'm like, fuck that, fuck that. So how well, would you rate Justice League compared to... Ready Player One. Which one is a little bit better? You think?
2: Uh, Ready Player One. I mean, Ready Player One is a better movie. Okay. Justice League is Justice League is a. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a mess. The CGI looks unfinished, especially in, in regards to Steppenwolf, um, and in some cases with regards to uh, Cyborg, even though he looks pretty okay. And then, of course, the whole thing with uh, Henry Cavill's mustache and Paramount not yeah. letting them let, letting them shave his mustache for the reshoots because yeah. uh, he had a mission impossible uh in the mission impossible movie and it, it looks i mean i will say this justice league got a lot of shit from critics mainly mainly this 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 whole new thing that happens where they all pile on with the same talking points and it's all a bunch of groupthink nonsense and nobody actually mm-hmm. talks about the movie they just talk about whatever you know ideology or whatever it happens to be that they hated about the movie and it has nothing to actually do with the movie at all. But I mean, they, don't, they were right about yeah. the mustache. It was horrendous. And there were, it definitely takes you out of the movie. Um, but it's like, you know, go, go red box it. It's a fun movie. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty, it, and I will say that's, it kind of, that in and of itself makes it disappointing. Like it should be better than that. Like yeah. I, like I know, you know, Man of Steel is is a little controversial, but you know, three quarters of the people who saw Man of Steel really liked it. So,
0: yeah, I liked it as well. I'm I'm in that three quarters that liked Man of Steel. I I agree with you in saying that it started off, if not dark, more uh, introspective, more like you know uh, where he was at the beginning versus where he was at the end. It was a place of hope. I I do kind of agree with you, and I almost think that. Um, when you pick up with, with Batman versus Superman, that it's almost like Zack Snyder didn't really, it, it almost shows like, okay, he didn't really mean to do that with man of steel, did he? Cause he kind of shit all over his own point when, when he opens up with, um, Batman versus Superman. But, um, I was thinking about the DC stuff today, actually this morning. And I was thinking, I wanted to ask you how you felt about the, the DC, uh, extended universe Uh, particularly in the context of what Marvel's done over the last decade. And um, it feels to me like DC is there. It's a little cloying and almost desperate. They feel like that, you know, like when we started hitting 30 ish and um, you know, all the girls that we know, are getting married and having kids. And then there's like that one single girl. that's like, Oh fuck. All my friends are getting married and having kids and shit. I need to like coerce this douchebag. I'm dating into fucking proposing to me by, you know, like I'm going to lean on this motherfucker till he proposes. I need to get married because everyone else is getting married. And then I need to spit out some kids because everyone else is spitting out kids. It almost feels like, Marvel built their thing a little bit more organically and sort of took their time. Whereas DC kind of thinks, Oh shit, we're uh we're in 12th place. We need to fucking hurry up. We need to put this thing on like, like we need to put the pedal to the metal on this. Holy fuck. Where it's almost like that, that almost that cloying kind of feeling like this is the chick that just feels like she needs to get married. Cause she's the last one in her fin- friend group to get married and have kids. I don't know if you agree with that or not.
2: Um, I don't um, because that's perception um, mainly put out there by by uh, critics, um, it, new, more partic- specifically new media critics, um, bloggers and like who only seem to exist. To so shit I've I bought Batman. their shit. Yeah. Well, I mean like, yeah, like I some, some of the movies haven't been good. Let's just be honest. Batman versus Superman was terrible. I think it was a huge misstep and it set everything back. Wonder Woman was very good. Um, yeah, everybody weird. like, it was weird. Audiences loved suicide squad and the critics hated it more than anything. Um, anything that DC has done. I thought well, just like justice league, I thought suicide was a fun movie. Like it didn't, it didn't have I to agree. be, it didn't have to be the second coming of Christ. It just needed to make me have. It Just, no, I just needed to, you know, have a good time in a movie theater for two and a half hours. And that's what I had watching suicide squad. Um, actually, if you look at it, if you, if you, if you look at the timelines, I, it's not rushed at all. So, Man of Steel comes out in 2013, uh, the year after, if I'm right, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's 2013, the year after the Avengers come out, right? So, the Avengers comes out in 2012. Iron Man came out in 2008. Uh, mm-hmm. So, four years, right? Um, Man of Steel came out in 2013. Justice League came out in 2017. Four years. Uh, The Avengers Before the Avengers came out We had Iron Man Iron Man 2 The Incredible Hulk It was actually Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk Then Iron Man 2 Which everybody forgets is a a bad movie Like that is Iron Man 2 is like their Batman versus Superman It's a bad movie It doesn't It doesn't have like It doesn't feel like it's a fully formed movie It feels like Oh hey, we're just you know trying to mark some time until we get to the Avengers, and that's basically all it is. So you have yeah. you have so let's see, we had Iron Man in 2008, 2008 the Incredible Hulk in two thousand eight, Iron Man two in uh, two thousand ten, and then we had Thor in two thousand eleven, and and Captain America in two thousand eleven. So that's five films before we get to the Avengers. The Avengers was the sixth film.
0: Yeah, so that almost is what makes me. That's what makes me feel like they built things up a little bit more organically because they yeah. they made an Iron Man, then they made Iron Man Two, mm-hmm. Captain America, Thor. They sort of um, like there were several movies before. I mean, I think I agree with you on Iron Man Two. It, it's it's not as good as the others that preceded it, but it also is the first film that felt like they were setting up this. They're like, like we're teeing up these right. other movies. I think that's the major complaint with the Marvel movies lately is that they all feel like they're just set up right. for something else. So it almost feels like it's a two-hour commercial for the next Avengers film, and they're going to make like eight two-hour commercials for Avengers right. 3, and then we're going to go see Avengers 3. And so uh, they, they've they maybe gone into the place of almost too much setup, but um, it, it still it still feels like with... With The Man of Steel, we both agree that that was a good film, but I also think that was a good film because they weren't working too hard to set up their next team movie there, and that was that was the Batman versus Superman that we all hate, and and that was the movie where it was like, okay, we got to introduce Batman, but then now Batman has to introduce Wonder Woman and The Flash and Aquaman, and we're going to shoehorn everybody and Doomsday into this film where we kill Superman at the end. It just felt like 10 different uh, DC comics arcs kind of squeezed into one film. And I mean, for the doomsday film, I would have really liked to see them play that out over a little bit more time and maybe not have to also shoehorn in, uh, four new, five new counting cyborg, five new DC, uh, characters. Um, that, that just, I mean, it adds to the abortion that is Batman versus Superman. I think
2: I I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think you know, but again, just going to get back to my reg- my other point. Uh, I think it was, so. We had five films before the Avengers. With DC, we had four movies before Justice League. So everybody talks about how it was rushed, and everybody talks about how it wasn't well planned. And I'll definitely give you it, the DC movies probably were not well planned at all. You know, they they probably. Could have done a better job had there been one voice in the building instead of many. Kind of with Marvel, they had their one voice is Kevin Feige, and Marvel Studio stands on its own. Um, DC is still under Warner Brothers; it's not its own studio, and you know there are a lot of different hands in that pot. And when that happens, you know movies can suffer. I think we've seen that through many different kinds of movies.
0: All right. Um, actually, I'm gonna we're gonna stop it there for now. I think that's a good stopping point. Um, I'm going to release the rest of our conversation with Matt um, as a bonus episode this weekend, simply because... Bonus. Bonus episode. Yeah, bonus episode just for for being alive, I guess. It's a thrill to be alive Mm -hmm. in these times where you get two episodes of shit happens when you party naked this week.
1: Can't get any better than that. It
0: doesn't get a whole lot better than that. So uh, what we what we are gonna do though is uh, that conversation this conversation does go uh, a lot longer than I thought it would, and just for the sake of of keeping this thing to close to an hour and not going on for like two hours about movies and shit, uh, in case you're getting fatigued, we'll we'll just we'll come back to it. We'll we'll do another. We can record another intro, and we'll just we'll put up the rest of the interview. But I think that's a probably a pretty good spot to leave it where Matt was so too. Matt had his say, and then um, we'll pick that back up in a couple of days. So uh, I think I'm going to release that like Friday or Saturday. So um, you know, keep your eyes out for a bonus episode this week. I'll release that before we record the uh, next episode. Hopefully this weekend I'm going to have another good buddy of mine on the show. Uh, this one, uh, not movies, but hopefully we'll be able to chat some bodybuilding, some competitive bodybuilding, and uh, that should be also fun too. We'll just be all over the fucking place in this show with every fucking topic imaginable. So uh, we really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Really appreciate everything you guys sharing the show. Uh, Appreciate all the five-star reviews. Uh, Please feel free to subscribe. Um, Share with a friend. Appreciate people passing the show on. Share
1: with people who aren't your friends.
0: Share with people who aren't your friends. Although that's – how does that work? I mean, is that kind of weird? I don't know. You stand on the street corner like one of those crazy preachers and just say, everybody listen to this show. I'll take it. Shit have, Yeah, I'll take whatever I can get. Shit. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will holler at you guys this weekend. Have a good night, everybody.
2: I'm rising out the ashes, see a way that comes my face. A giant walking ball of blind love turned to hate. All the feelings always kept me down in dirt turned to rage. Grab a rapper by his head and shred him up like a page. I'm amazing, like yay was on 808s and heartbreak so my ex cried.